Kevin's glad you're here as we're getting ready to jump into a new series called Common Sense. We're looking at things that are common sense but not always lived out practically. And so we end up just smacking ourselves in the head of what was I thinking? So we're going to be jumping into that series. Very excited about that. But before we do, I want to talk about a couple other things here real quick. Number one, if you're a first, second time guest, let me just say thank you for checking out Canvas. Thanks for coming and, and kicking the tires of faith and seeing what God's going to do in, in your life. We're glad you're here. And if you're a regular Canvas person, you're here regularly, I want to talk to you for just a second. I want to say thanks. Thanks for helping us make an awesome Easter happen. Did you enjoy Easter, everybody? That was fun. And I want to say thank you. We had so many people um, volunteer to serve excuse me, volunteer to serve in multiple gatherings, um, great people stepping up to serve in kids' ministries. We had a great group of people go and volunteer in Columbia Falls, and it just helped us create an opportunity for people to experience God in a life-changing way. We had a bunch of you parked down at the community college and rolled the trolleys up. Thank you for doing that to allow us more parking available here. I know it was an inconvenience, but you guys just stepped up, and if you wouldn't have done that, there's no way we could have, uh, of, of accomplished really um, what God was leading us to do. We don't talk about numbers around here very often because we're not numbers driven, we're people driven. But there's always an exception to the rule and today I wanna take advantage of that exception. We had, and I wanna just celebrate what God is doing. We had over 6,500 people come to Canvas Church last weekend. I, I don't get it. That's amazing to me. And at these numbers get excited, we had, we had over 400 in Columbia Falls, and we had over 200. We had 10% of the community at Cup Bank come to Canvas Church. Which, when I hear 10% of the community, I, I just get more excited about the 90% we're going to reach. Um, that's where my heart goes and my mind goes. Um, but I want to tell you uh, another number that we just celebrate, um, and this is maybe my, my favorite number because it speaks to life change, and that is we had 125 people get baptized in water last weekend. That's amazing to me. 125 people who gave their life to Jesus and then followed that up with an act of obedience saying, I was dead in my sin, and I'm alive in Jesus Christ. And I, I, I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, I want to challenge you, uh, Canvas, in, in one more area, um, because Easter is a wonderful time um, for um, casting seed, that it would fall on the heart of good soil, and that it would take root, and that would grow, that people would find faith. In fact, um, if you're new here and haven't been uh, um, given your life to Jesus, I'm, no, there's no hidden agenda here. I want you to know Jesus, and I want you to walk with him and, and know the wonder of, of who he is. Um, but I want to I wanna coach you in something, because here's often what we happens. Um, we'll invite people to come to church. We'll invite people to come to church with us. And then after church is open, over and during that week, we'll follow up with this question. We'll go, well, did you like church? And it's not a bad question. It's a good question. But I want to challenge you to ask a different question. Here's the question. And when I say this, you're going to feel a tension. But it's a good tension because it's going to cause you to grow. Here's the tension I want you to ask. So what do you think about Jesus? Because the mission of Canvas is not to do church. The mission of Canvas is to make the name of Jesus wonderful, to make the name of Jesus glorified, to bring honor to him, and to bring glory to him. And, 
And I know it's a challenge, and I know it's hard to go out there, but I think what a wonderful thing as we're throwing seed together, as you invite friends, and as we go to different gatherings and serve and all of this, the goal is that our friends know Jesus in a personal encounter. Canvas will not change their lives. Jesus will change their lives. And so that leads with the question, what do you think about Jesus? So that's my challenge to you, and I haven't even preached yet. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into it. Father, thank you that, that we have the opportunity to lift up your name. In fact, would you just do that in your own heart and just say thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. Thank the Lord that he, he gave you salvation in his son, Jesus. We thank you for that, Father. And now, Lord, I pray over these next few minutes that you would give us ears to hear, you would give us a heart to believe, and you would touch our feet to go. Maybe we have a divine appointment ahead of us where we can ask that question, what do you think about Jesus? And that our life, our canvas, just displays the hope that you give us, I pray. We ask that your presence would be in this place. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Now, there's two ways to listen to this message. There's two ways to listen to every message. And I wanna, I wanna set you up as we get ready to jump into this one. There's two ways to listen to it. The first way you listen to a message is you ask yourself the question, God, what are you saying to me? God, what, what are you saying to me? That's why I pray, ears open, heart receptive, feet to go. God, what are you saying to me? The second way you listen to a message is to say, God, who are you preparing me to share this with? Both ways are important because what we take from here, I'm praying that you have a divine opportunity that some of the knowledge, some of the truth that you hear from the word of God today is going to be uh, creating an opportunity for you to share that same truth. I believe that depth comes from doing. That when you apply these principles and you share these principles, it's gonna be more evident in your life because when you share it, you feel the responsibility to live it. So what are you saying to me? And who are you setting me up to share this with? And with that, we go to Proverbs. We're gonna be looking at the, the, um, a couple Proverbs here uh, to launch us into our common sense theme. And number one is sensible people, Proverbs 19:11. sensible people control their temper. I stop, stop right there. I thought, oh, this is gonna be so good because if you wanna see people lose their temple, there's their temple, they're, they're, it's their temple too. You wanna see people lose their temper? Just pray for snow and watch what happens. Oh my goodness, pray for snow in April and post it online? Death threats go out against you. People do drive-by snowball throwing around here. Didn't even know. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. It's not that we ignore wrongs, but there's an emotional check that comes on before that I'm not being offended by everything. Um, sensible people control their temper. And then, 10 chapters later, the writer of Proverbs, I'm preaching this one out of the Good Word the translation, says this, a fool expresses all of his emotions but a wise person controls them. And there's a theme between those two. And the theme is, we're to control our emotions. Emotions are powerful. We all have them. This has nothing to do with personality today because we all have emotions. God gave us all emotions. And we have to learn to control them. Otherwise, here's the theme of the message, control your emotions or they will control you. Control your emotions or they will control you. When emotions are out of control, it's like you're racing a race car and have no brakes. What's gonna happen? You're gonna wreck. 
When emotions are out of control, it's like driving a race car without brakes. It's just a matter of time until you're going to wreck. You wouldn't do that. It makes common sense that a race car has brakes. And it's important that we have brakes or healthy control over our emotions. That's, in, that's important. Um, in fact, let's just do a little participation here for a second, a little moment of being honest with each other. How many of you here have ever said something out of anger when your emotions got the best with you and you wish you wouldn't have said it? Raise your hand. Great, yes, and the rest of you that aren't raising your hand are liars, okay? <laughs> it, it's true. We've all said stuff that we probably shouldn't have said because the emotions have got the best of us. When I was a first, uh, when I was a first uh, a children's pastor at my first church, um, you ever know somebody where they get a title and maybe you work with a person like this and the title totally goes to their head and they totally talk different and they act different and they just become a jerk? You know those people? Well, I was one of them. And um, I, I, I had become a, a pastor at this church and a kid's pastor and I was all excited. I've been wanting to do this since I was eight years old. And, and so now I'm the children's pastor and I was in the copier room and one of my volunteers that I oversaw was, was photocopying this new program for one of our kids' ministries clubs, and, um, and I didn't know anything about it. And I'm like, so um, as a jerk, I went, what, what, are you, what are you doing? She goes, well, this is a new program. I think it's going to help our kids memorize the Bible better. And I said, because I was the pastor, I said, did you run this by me? Oh, I just feel stupid even saying that. <laughs> what a moron. But, um, and she said, well, I didn't think you would care. And I go, well, I'm the pastor. See how that title just went to my head? Um, you run everything by me. Oh, it's just horrible. And she goes, well, I don't think I need to. I go, well, you do. And I lifted my voice. She matched it. So you know what that means. Yeah, I have the title. I lifted mine a little higher. She matched it. I lifted a little higher. Before you know it, we're yelling at each other over the stupidest thing. We're fighting about Jesus. You know, we're fighting about a program. And we're like, you know, we love Jesus. And we're like, what are you talking about? Anger. God, well, my boss, my, my, my lead pastor, opened the door of the conference room there, the copy room. She go, he goes, hey, guys, um, everything okay in here? And I looked at him, and I, does it sound like it's okay in here? I grabbed the door and slammed it in his face. So my pastor is standing there with the door right here in his face. So the next day when I'm in the unemployment line, I was <laughs> horrible. No, I didn't get fired, but I tell you what, I had to do some groveling. I was a fool. I was a fool. I had, I had messed up. How, I, 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 had, I had missed it. When you, if you don't control your emotions, they will control you. It's true. So how do we do that? How do we get control of our emotions? Well, here's the one thought. I'm going to give you three. Here's the first thought on that. One of the ways that we can get a governor over our, our emotions is that we have to realize emotions are gauges. They're not guides. Emotions give, us, emotions give us information. They don't tell us what to do. They're gauges. They're not guides. When I'm driving a car, I'm looking down at my gauges, and my gauges on my car are telling me how I'm performing, Okay. I'm looking at them to get information. And so when I look at them, and, I, and I'm on the bypass, you know, going down um, by south of Kalispell, and it says I'm going 60 miles an hour, I realize I should go 70, okay? Um, that's just what happened. Okay, anyways. Um, they, give me, they give me information. They're not telling me how to drive. They're just giving me 
information. And I respond based on that information. When my fuel gauge tells me that my tank is empty, I'm gonna stop and get gas. I'm going to respond to that gauge that's giving me information that I need to respond to. The thing is, I don't respond to all of my gauges. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm just getting information from them. And it's important that I take that information and I don't let them tell me how to drive because of the verse that I read, 29.11 says this, a fool expresses all of his emotions. A fool expresses, this is the worst thing you can be called in the Bible. A fool is a person who knows truth and just ignores it. A person who's aware of truth, you might be ignorant where you're not aware of it, but a fool is a person who knows the truth and just ignores it and chooses to do the other thing. A fool expresses all of his emotions, but a wise person controls them. They get it under control. When I think about that, I, I, I think about, have you ever seen a person who just vomits their emotions everywhere? Like whatever they're feeling, boom, it comes out of them. Yeah, it's called a three-year-old, okay? And, and when you look at a three-year-old, you see a person that hasn't learned to control their emotions. They haven't learned to manage that. And in fact, a great little test. If you want to do a test to see what, uh, what a person with no emotional control looks like, go up to a three-year-old after you've given them a watermelon blow pop, and right when they're getting close to the gum, take it away from them, okay? And watch what happens. They become a little volcano, okay? They just freak out. They're like, give me my sucker back, you know? And then they might fall down and kick the ground for no, because that's going to help. You know, they're, they're, they just respond to all of these emotions that are going around them. And it's embarrassing, you know, especially when they do it in Walmart, in the aisle, you know, and then everyone else is looking at you, judging you, you know, and you're like, oh my goodness, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. Um, in fact, with that, it made me and Tiffany talk about um, raising our children. The second greatest thing that we can give our children, number one, being a personal relationship with Jesus that they own that's not ours but their faith. So we work really hard on that. Maybe I'll preach a sermon on that someday. How do you teach your children to have a faith that's theirs and not yours? The number two thing that Tiffany and I want to give our children is the ability to control their emotions. To teach them how to control their emotions. And we work hard on that. Why? I don't want my kids to grow up to be fools. So we work with that. We, we allow their emotions to have consequences when they don't control them. Because um, I want my children to experience the consequences of losing control of their emotions in a home where they're loved and secure than in a world when they grow up and there's greater consequences to that. Um, so we have to discipline our children in that way. It's like one of the areas when if they do something wrong and they get a discipline and they don't like it, we give them a little bit to, to allow their emotions to process and then there comes a time when we feel it's justified to say, okay, now you need to get control. And it's right there where I'm teaching them to manage their emotions. You process this, now it's time, and there takes wisdom on it. It's not immediate, but then there comes a time. Okay, now it's time to get control of your emotions. Come on. And that's how the governor of emotions is taught. I want them to know how to control it, because if they don't, then they will be controlled by emotions. And I don't want that for them. I, I, I experienced it. You probably here listening to this message have seen an adult that acts like a three-year-old. It's, it's scary. I had a, a lady that I was I'm getting ready to change a curriculum when I was a, a kid's pastor, and um, we had been using this curriculum since Adam wrote it, and, um, and, and the lady that was teaching it was probably Adam's sister. She's been around so long, and, um, and we were getting ready. Um, if you're new to church, Adam is the first person God ever created, and that joke is a lot funnier when you realize that, but um, <laughs> when, 
when, um, when so I, I, call, I pulled her into my office because uh, as, as a leader, you want to let your leaders know where you're going and give them time to help you implement it. And so this lady comes in. She's a teacher of our three- and four-year-olds. And I go, hey, I'm changing our curriculum. I just want to let you know about this. We've been talking about this, but I've, I've landed our new curriculum. Our, our other curriculum is just too old. It's not working for us. It's, it's expensive. We're going to make some changes to it. And, um, and she just sort of went, what? She's in the later 40s. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to just be, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Trust me. We've done the work. We're, she's like, we are not changing that curriculum. I'm like, well, I'm not going to yell at her now because I've learned that lesson, okay? <laughs> I go, well, I think it's the best thing for everybody. She started jumping up and down like this. No, we're not. I can't hardly even do that personally. <laughs> um, she, she was jumping up and down, and I didn't know how to respond. I had not seen someone lose it so bad as this lady had lost it. And then the next thing I know, while she was jumping up and down, she had reached into her pocket, grabbed a pair of car keys, and was throwing them at me. And I'm just like, I could have lost my life over curriculum. I mean, the church is a dangerous place to work, let me tell you. We need to learn to control our emotions. And we have to allow emotions to be gauges, not guides can't be driven by them. That means, come to point two, and that's this. Emotions require ongoing calibration. Emotions, because you don't just learn it when you're three, four, five, and six years old. Emotional control is a lifelong process. And over time, our emotions need to be recalibrated. They need to be challenged. They need to be checked. Here's why. Your emotions can lie to you. This is, this is a fascinating truth. Your emotions can lie to you. I'll give you an example. If I'm driving a car and my fuel tank um, gauge is on half a tank, but I've been driving 300 miles, my fuel gauge is broken. But if I am driven by my emotions, I'm gonna look at that fuel gauge, I'm gonna see that it's half full, and I'm just gonna say, I just feel like it's half full, but in reality, it's empty. Why? Because my fuel gauge is broken. And guess who's gonna be on the side of the road on the bypass going zero miles an hour? The guy that was driven by his emotions. Because I just felt like I had a half a tank, but I didn't. So sometimes our emotions need to be recalibrated so that they can be accurate in giving me the information that I need so I can make the right response to it. I have to challenge them. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 talks about that. It says this, the human heart, which really is the seed of where our emotions come from, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and it's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So here's what it's saying. Where your emotions come from um, is desperately deceiving and desperately wicked, which just makes you sort of go, whoa, whoa, whoa on emotions for a minute. Now, emotions are bad. I love them, but I got to know where they come from. And I have found in my life all the time that emotions can lie to me. It, it's true. I have to be careful about that. And so what it means is I'm going to need God to work with me on that. When I give my life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence within my life, and he begins to help me be, um, go through the process of becoming like Jesus. And one of the areas that he works on in my life is for me to control my emotions. One of the fruits 
of the Holy Spirit, one of the aspects of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. It's controlling your emotions. I need the Lord to convict me when my gauges are out of alignment. I need him to calibrate them. I need him to work on them. I need other people in my life to point out to me when I'm out of alignment. And it's amazing how often that can happen and where that can happen. I, I walked home the other day and the cupboard door was open. Um, and I ticked, I got upset about why are we leaving all the cupboard doors open? Does anybody relate to me in that? Or am I, oh, 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 thank you, thank you. Yeah, but, well, I, I feel, I'm just like, why, why are we leaving these all open? How much work does it take? And the truth is, I started getting angry over the stupidest little thing. Why, why are we leaving these? All it takes is this amount of effort to shut it. And Tiffany comes up to me and goes, and she's just sort of cool, okay? She goes, Kevin, you're really overreacting about this. You just might be hungry. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and that is 100% most of the time the truth. Um, but here's what we need. The tool, the tool to, to begin to calibrate your emotions is this tool right here, and it's called, it's a hard one when you're emotionally driven, it's called humility. You will never manage your emotions if you lack humility. Humility makes you realize, hey, I could be wrong here, and I need God to work in my life, and I need to listen to others as they speak truth into my life to get my self-awareness, the journey of self-awareness to realize why am I responding this way? Why am I so emotionally driven? Why is this stirring in me such a strong reaction when it's such a little thing? I need the humility to do self-searching uh, self because my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And who really knows how bad it is? Christ does. Jesus does. And the power of his spirit begins to reveal that in my mind, which leads me to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And that says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let me talk about behaviors and customs. There's a lot of different behaviors and customs, and there's different ways that you could take this verse and look at it. One of the lenses that I want to look at is when it comes to our emotions. What is the behaviors and the customs of this world, of American culture, when it comes to our emotions? Well, I was doing some reading on this, and I was looking at some psychology journals and, and just sort of um, versing myself in information on this, and I, I kept across several um, leading thoughts of, of how we do life, and that's this, that you do whatever feels right. You do what feels right. Or the other one I came across was, you do what feels good. Whatever feels good, you do that. Well, I'm going to tell you, last weekend when I went home, it felt good to eat the whole bag of Butterfeeder popcorn, okay? For a minute. And it did not feel good afterwards. That wasn't the wise thing, but it felt good. So that can't be truth. And the other one is, it can't be wrong. I find this saying and this belief in our culture all over the place. If it feels good, it can't be wrong. Or it can't be wrong if it feels good. Because you know what the behavior and the custom of our world is? Is that truth is defined by how you feel. And if it feels good, do it. But that's not healthy living. That's living like a fool. 
And so it says here, don't copy that kind of thinking. Canvas Church, we have to think different. We have to allow the truth of the word of God to work within our lives. So how do we do that? Well, he tells us, God, let God transform you. How do you let God transform you? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just go and say, God, transform me. Doesn't happen that way. So then you're like, God, maybe if I dance. That doesn't work. Some of you just groaned. It wasn't that bad. How do, how, do we, how do we let God transform us? Well, he answers that right here. He says this. Let God transform you into a new person. Here it is. By changing the way you think. That truth that's established through the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. His truth is right here. In fact, the Bible says this. Hide the word of God in your heart so you will not sin against me. If my emotions lie to me, I need to realize this and then allow the truth of God to realign the way I feel. That's difficult because there's sometimes that my emotions are so strong about something and I like it and it feels good and it's right, but it's repulsed by God. And I have to say, okay, here's how I'm emotionally driven. Here's what feels good. Here's what I want. But I need to allow God to bring me back to thinking the way he wants me to think. I have to allow his truth, not what I feel is truth. I have to allow his truth to trump my emotions. And over time, here's what happens. Healthy thinking over time repairs unhealthy emotions. Let me say it again. Healthy thinking over time repairs unhealthy emotions. I've walked this. You know one of the things when, I, when my, my daughter was born, Morgan, my first daughter, one of the things that it revealed about me, and it was shocking to me, children have a way of, of really showing you your heart. I didn't realize how short of a temper that I had. It, it, was, it was surprising to me. I, I felt terrible. And it, and my, it, it comes in so strong. Emotions are so powerful. And I'm like, I'd be frustrated with this little baby. I'm like, go to sleep. And, I'm, and then I feel like I'm a terrible person. And, and then as I had more kids, and they begin to multiply, and, and, and I'm just like, ah, oh, what's going? Here's what I had to do personally. I had to start memorizing verses on anger. I, I started memorizing verses on anger because the Lord just revealed to me, Kevin, this emotion is out of a line with truth. And you need to start memorizing, hiding the word of God. That's how the transformation process works. When you, it, it's, like, it's like God retrains your brain. When you begin to read the word and memorize the word and pray with humility, God, if I'm wrong, let me know because my emotions are great liars. Help me to know. Help me to know, help my emotions align with your kind of thinking. Now, emotions aren't bad. Jesus had emotions. He just knew how to control them. We see times where Jesus got frustrated. We see times where Jesus got, got um, happy, joyful. We see where Jesus felt sorrow. So emotions aren't bad. They just need to be aligned with who Jesus is and we're not to be driven, running crazy by them where they control us. Now I wish, I wish that emotions were not as powerful as they were. A verse that helps me is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, where it says, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus. 
See, that process, as it comes in, I'm, I'm like, okay, is this feeling right? Is, is Jesus, help me get this phrase right here. Jesus, help me to love what you love. Help me be repulsed by what repulses you. And help my emotions to line up with that. It's a process. It's a transformational process. Now, here's the difficulty on this. Because you can listen here and you can get all this. But emotions don't send you an email that they're coming. Okay? Either do the in-laws. But the emotions don't send you. <laughs> Just joking. Just joking. Some of you laugh like, is he allowed to say that? Actually, I'm not. <laughs> now that I'm going to get an email. Um, emotions don't let you know they're coming. You know? For example, when someone cuts you off in traffic, you don't see that coming. And then what you want to do is give them the international sign of bad driving. It just, boom, there it is, you know. But that's not appropriate, and you shouldn't do that. But emotions, they're not like a slow rising tide. They're like a tsunami. They come in like a huge wave, and they hit you, and sometimes you're not prepared for them. And it's not like you can say, oh, one second, I got to get my line, I got to, you know, align myself with Jesus in this. It doesn't happen. It's hard to do that. Um, but what we have to do is we have to ride the wave of emotion. When it comes on strong, we have to ride that wave and understand what is taking place. Because then you become equipped to ride the wave. How do you ride the wave? That you have to know that when those emotions come on like a tsunami, what happens to you is you get tunnel vision. I'll illustrate it in this way. The minute that person cuts you off in traffic or the children leave the cupboards open, you're looking like this. This is what you look like. I can't see anything but what comes out of this little hole. This, all this orange cone is emotions. And I'm like, why are you leaving this open? It's, it's a, you need to experience this. Okay, come on out here. I don't know how that well this will work, but we, we're practicing it here. Okay, here he goes. So I'll come over here. When, when, when you get, when, when you get, what, oh. <laughs> see right there. All you see is this beauty right here. And for some of you, that makes you so mad. And all you're focused on is this right here. What you don't understand is there's wisdom right here. But you can't see me now. Because even though I really haven't moved that much, your emotions blind you from seeing truth. So what you need, when those emotions come in like a wave, like a tsunami, and they want to flood you, you know, come on, come on. When those emotions come in strong, and it's against your spouse or against your children or against the driver and the Jeep, what you got to do is realize... I got tunnel vision, and I need to pause. I need to do my best not to react. This is my moment to control, and I allow other people to speak into my life. Sometimes people can help me see a bigger picture. Understanding tunnel vision helps you conquer tunnel vision. We all suffer with it. We all will experience it. It's knowing what's going on. It's knowing what's, how to battle it, and it's saying, Jesus, Sometimes this is me, and don't we get this way in our marriage really quickly. Jesus, this is me, and I need you to help me see the big picture. I need to find your strength, your help. Help me to have humility to allow you to transform my mind and the way I think, because if I can begin to think the way you want me to think, my emotions eventually follow. And it's important. It's important. That leads me to point number three. I want us to really take this next part to heart. Point number three is this. Emotions make life colorful. If you hear me talking that emotions are bad, 
you're missing it. Because God gave us emotions as a gift. Emotions are great. They just need to be learned to be controlled. They need to learn to be managed. Um, several years ago, many years ago, when I was a kid, mom and dad, Sunday evening, we would always do a family movie. And they picked the family movie, The Wizard of Oz. And so we sat down to watch The Wizard of Oz. And, and um, when we started watching the show, I remember me and my little brother Nathan, we were like, ah, we don't want to watch an old person movie. And the reason we said that, because it was in black and white. And who wants to watch a black and white TV show? Okay. Um, and how many of you in the next year are going to go buy a black and white TV? Hardly any of you. And there's always an exception to the rule. And, um, and that's fine. You probably live in West Valley. But here's the thing. I'm just joking, just joking, just having fun. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're sitting here watching this Wizard of Oz show, and it's black and white, and we didn't want to watch it. And we're like, oh, come on, come on. And you know, you got the Wicked Witch there riding the, riding the bicycle. <laughs> and then the tornado comes, and Dorothy and um, Toto picked up in the tornado. And then they land in the land of Oz. And I remember, it's so funny how it works, but I remember when that movie went from black and white to color. And those little munchkins came out and started singing. And you looked at me and Nathan's face and we're like, I mean, we are sucked in. Because life is meant to be lived with emotions. Emotions are color to our life. How would you like if I preached like this all the time? It would not be good. It would be boring. There would be more of you asleep than are currently asleep. <laughs> You'd probably leave the church because for 35 minutes of this wow no you want color so here's my challenge to you some of us have a black and white faith our relationship with God lacks color you can go either way Catch me on this. Listen to me on this. When you're driven by your emotions, it always messes up your theology because you chase whatever leads you to a spiritual high. And then you're just like, over there, and your doctrine and theology is so messed up that you're just an embarrassment to Christianity. And then we can swing the pendulum all the other way where we're so lost in intellectual, we don't engage Jesus emotionally at all. We just bury those feelings down as deep as we can. The problem is, emotions are too powerful to be buried. They will erupt at some point. And God wants us to have a colorful faith, not a black and white faith. He wants us to engage with Him emotionally. You know why some of you aren't engaging emotionally with God? Because you're angry at Him. Because you're mad at Him. Because something happened in your past, and the only one you can blame is Him. And, and maybe what you need to do is tell God how you feel. And just say, God, I'm mad. And I'm mad at you. You know what's going to happen? God's going to meet you right where you're at. He's not surprised how you feel about him. 
He knows your heart better than you know your heart. But when you begin to process, you know what makes I love being married to Tiffany? Because we process our emotions together. It's not always fun. See that scar? It's not always fun. But I love my, I love my wife because we do this. We need to do the same thing with God our Father. God, here's how I'm feeling. I don't know what to do with these feelings. I don't know if they're lying to me or if they're true. Could you imagine Canvas Church if our faith would be colorful, if we would engage where maybe for some of us we need to bring back our emotions a little bit and make sure that they're aligning with the doctrine and the truth of who Jesus is. And for some of us, we need to, okay, let go a little bit and work our way to say, God, I'm going to trust you. Oh, colorful life. And when we live a colorful faith, it's shown on our canvas and people see it around us and it's attractive and they want it and the name of Jesus is proclaimed in the way that we live. Listen to this last verse right here. It says this right here. I have told you the words of Jesus. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. It's a joy that is beyond circumstances. Sometimes it connects with your emotions and sometimes it's going to control your emotions. And I love this. Yes, your joy will overflow. It will overflow. It will overflow. So Canvas, that's my challenge to you. Don't let emotions control you to the negative on either extreme, but manage them and live a life full of color. Will you grab your connection card? I encourage all of you to fill this out. You know the drill if you've been coming here. If you're not, we fill this out every week. I read every one of these before I go home. If you're here and you haven't given your life to Jesus, I encourage you to do that. Just mark the box. I give my life to Jesus. And then I want you to take a second while you're here and just say, Jesus, I need you. I need, I need this in my life. I need you to work in me. Whatever word you want to use, you just talk to me. The reason I want you to check this box, I want to follow up with you. I want to send you some information, so I encourage you to put your name. There's three other ways to respond there, and I'm going to encourage you to, to read those and respond. But here's how I want to do this today. I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you stand? We're going to receive our, our connection cards and our offerings and our tithes as we submit God to us our pocketbook. But here's a, a simple tool that I, I use with my children I'm going to use with you. One of the ways to emotionally engage with God, regardless of personality, is in worship. Music moves us. Music is a very emotional thing. And so sometimes when I want to engage God emotionally, I'll just lift my hand. It's amazing what from here to here does. Just to say, God, you're my answer to my life. Or God, I surrender my life to you. There's just something powerful about that that I always encourage people to do. So as we sing the song, as we give glory to God, maybe that's how you need to respond today. Is just simply say, God, I surrender to you. Or God, I know you're the answer. And you're the answer to my life. And I love you. Let me pray over you. Father, as we worship you, as we declare that you are wonderful and you are good, we thank you that you gave us emotions. God, help us to manage them. Help us to control them. And help us to engage you with them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Campus Church. Let's worship the Lord. Christ before me, Christ before me.